Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so happy you took the time to be here. This message is extremely special as we have Pastor Brett Esslinger from Engage Church bringing us a message we think is going to encourage and inspire you. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, enjoy. I wish I was that tall, <laughs> but not this year. <laughs> well, hey, it's a great honor and a privilege to be here, and uh, we just love Kingdom Church and what God is doing here. Des sends her greetings. She's speaking at another women's event this morning, otherwise she'd be here as well, uh, but man, two new babies in the house. I mean, this is amazing. So here, here's what I want to suggest, okay, and, and I can do this because... Uh, I can. Um, I want to do something old school, and I want to do it next week. Now, I won't be here next week, so I'm going to set it up for now. And I don't know who's emceeing. Maybe I'm just going to sign Greg if you're around. Maybe you can handle this. I want to do, I want to do something uh, old school called a love offering, and we want to do it for your pastors. Because what you don't know is that selflessly they have served this church uh, for next to nothing, uh, doing it because they felt it's what they were called to do, and that's what good leaders do. They lay their lives down to serve the king. And so we have an, an opportunity to love on them and bless them as they enter this new season of life. Uh, so next Sunday, would you uh, pray about how you could give? Now, this is, I'm just going to say this, this is, and this is why it's old school, because it's calling us to new levels of generosity, because this isn't we rob Peter to pay Paul. There's like our tithe, which we, you know, we, we pay that thing. But then there's an offering over and above. So this isn't like we're just going to redeploy. It's like we're going to in invest into the church, but then we're going to invest into the visionaries who laid their lives down to build this church so that we could all gather here together. So would you just pray, and next week uh, bring something on over and above uh, to bless Pastor Harrison and Christy. And I think that will be amazing because, I mean, how many knows one baby's en one enough of adjustment? <laughs> Two? My God. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's an honor to close out the Under Pressure uh, series, and today I want to speak a message called The Devil is a Liar. So just turn to your neighbor and say, The Devil is a Liar. The devil is a lie. We're going to jump forward to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. But as we make our way over there, the, the thing that we have to understand is that God takes the broken pieces of our lives and he turns them into a masterpiece. That is what he does. He takes all the stuff, all, you know, the stuff that, that, that I was sharing about earlier, like all the brokenness, all, all the bits, all the pieces, all the stuff that we want to scoop up and throw away and put in the trash and put in the garbage that we want to just get rid of. He takes all those broken pieces and he puts them together into something incredibly beautiful. But don't take my word for it. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. Now that's, that's a thought. That's a thought that I'm his masterpiece. Scripture goes on to describe that not only are we a masterpiece, but we are his inheritance. I mean, think about an inheritance. Like, that's the, that's the good thing you get after someone that you love moves on. We are his inheritance. We're the thing that he's looking forward to. 
You're looking forward to eternity. Like, I don't know about you. Like, I've, I've thought about eternity a number of times. And if you want to find me, I'll be the guy up in uh, heaven on the new heaven, new earth, riding around on a lion or a zebra. Okay? If you're trying to find me, that's me. Like, who's the guy ripping around on a zebra? That's me. You'll, like, easily identify. Like, you know... We look ahead to all these amazing things that will happen in eternity, or sometimes we're just having maybe have a hard time thinking about eternity, but when God thinks about eternity, he thinks that he's so excited that he gets to spend it with us because we are his handcrafted masterpiece. In Isaiah, it takes it a step further. It describes him as this potter, and we are the clay. He is the potter in Isaiah 64, uh, 64 8. We, <laughs> he is the potter. We are the clay. That's amazing. Because not only are we his masterpiece, but we are a handcrafted masterpiece. Handcrafted masterpiece. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to just look at your, your fingers for a moment. Just look at your fingers. When you look at your fingertips, you will understand that you will realize that your fingerprints are unique to only you. There's no other person on the face of the earth that has what you have. Every time you look at your fingers, be reminded that God didn't create you to be somebody else. Every time you look down at your hands, may you be reminded that he handcrafted you, created you as a masterpiece to be the person that he created you to be. He didn't create you to be a copy of somebody else. He created you to be uniquely you. And this is what we need to understand as we move into new seasons because sometimes I think we put ourselves under pressure when we try and be like somebody else, try to talk like somebody else, try to live like somebody else. We try and take that on, but that's not who you are. You are who he created you to be in the incredible part about this journey of following Jesus is that you're actually discovering day by day who he created you to be because there is this myth that nobody knows me like me can I tell you there's somebody else who knows you better than you it was a person who put you together who handcrafted you who not only handcrafted you and made you he didn't be like oh yeah that was a good one let's try another it's like, whoa, did you see? Did you see what I made? But there has been this whisper that has been woven throughout history. It's a whisper that takes the voice of God and just subtly twists the things that he's been saying the things that we even understand about ourselves, there's a whisper that comes in that begins to twist our understanding. You see, it's a, it's a whisper that started all the way in the garden when God says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you will have knowledge that will make you like God. And Satan said, why don't you take a bite? Because you will be God. It's the same whisper that whispered into Cain's ear that says, you're not your brother's keeper. The same whisper that was spoken to Saul when he was awaiting for Samuel the prophet to show up before they went into battle, before they claimed the promises of God, when before he's, he, he, he went in and said, the victory is mine in the name of the Lord. He said, I don't need to wait for the way that God wants to do it. I'm just going to do the thing that he wants me to do out of the time that he wants me to do it. That was the whisper that says, I can just call my own shots. It was the whisper in David's life when he stayed home at the time when kings went out to war and he looked out the window and, uh-oh, Bathsheba. It was the whisper that spoke to Saul, who later became Paul, when he said, I need to protect the truth. 
And so I will murder these people who believe in Jesus because they believe in him until he had his moment where the whisper became a whimper. Today, can I tell you that Jesus wants to turn that whisper that's turning these subtle lies that's been speaking these half-truths into your life, Jesus wants to turn those whispers into a whimper. Come on, somebody. But there's a subtlety and there is an art to deception. Right? There's like this like subtlety to it where it's like, it's so good that, like, how could it not be okay? It's like when the CRA calls. <laughs> or they send you an email, and it looks so good until you look at the email address. You know, I got, I got, I got like, uh, someone pretended to be me the other day. I got, I got, I'm going to take that as a compliment that somebody thought that, like, I could extract dollars from someone. One of our, one of our staff over at West Evans Christian Assembly, uh, they're like, hey, did you send me this email? And it was like, hey, I could use your help. I'm really busy. Could you help me with this thing? Click here. <laughs> so first of all, don't ever click here. Who sends you? I need help. Click here. Second of all, my name is Pat. Is not Pastor127659 at Hotmail.com. Like, that's not actually my email address. If you just, like, look at it, like, really quickly, just in case, it's first.last name. Okay, usually, like, it's got my whole name in there. But there's, there's this deception that comes, and it's so good, or it's so almost accurate that we easily buy into it. And that's the whisper that speaks into our life that says you have to be somebody else. You have to look like someone else. Your gifts have to measure up to someone else. You don't have to measure up to anyone but yourself because you are a masterpiece created by God and he's leading you forward, creating you day by day into the person that he made you to be. So you could put yourself under pressure, but if you put yourself under pressure, you will find yourself crushed under the weight of your own insecurity. But let's look at the Bible. John chapter 10, verse 10. You don't need to take my word for it. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose being Jesus is to give them, them being you, a rich and satisfying life. Other translations say a rich and abundant life. There's something about living an abundant life, but on the flip side of the abundant life is a thief that's come to take something from you. Now, the word steal in the original language in the Greek is klepto, where we get the word kleptomaniac from. Uh, and the implication or idea is that they would steal without you even knowing it. Kind of like a pickpocket. Like you get, you bump in and you don't even realize that it's gone. That's what we're talking about here. It's not like a bold faith face, I'm going to steal something from you in front of you. It's like, I'm going to steal something from you without you even knowing it. The word kill in the original language actually means to sacrifice or make an example of. So you just thought it was steal, kill, and destroy. No, he's going to steal something from you without you knowing it. He's going to kill you to make an example of you to hopefully take a few other brothers or sisters out. But then this word destroy, where does that come from? What does that mean? Because if you already stole from me, you already killed me, what's left? The implication of the original language is that the word destroy means to render useless. To render useless. So I'd say to steal something, that's covert. To kill, that's a bold move. To render useless, that's interesting. That means maybe one of our greatest enemies is comfort. Maybe one of our greatest enemies is good enough. Ah, that's good. Is it, though? I'm I'm, kind of comfortable where I am. Okay. Oh, (laughs) this is where it actually comes to place in real life. 
Yeah, but that would, I'd get outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. You weren't called to be comfortable. You're called to follow Jesus one step at a time. And when you follow him one step at a time, sometimes you have to take a step that is not comfortable. We have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I'd like to steal or take credit for that, but it's, that's my wife's saying, so I'm just going to let her have all the credit because uh, I want to stay married. And she might track this down, and she'll be like, you did not? Okay. She, she tells me this all the time. We have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And can I also tell you this, just from my own life experience right now, you know, Pastor Harrison talked about, you know, seasons and, and, and things are changing for us. And, and, and on the outside, and everything is amazing, it's awesome, and it is. You're stepping into, you know, a huge new realm of influence, you know, this, you know, huge thing that just keeps growing. But can I tell you, leveling up is not comfortable. M moving to new levels or new seasons or, or chapters turning, it doesn't feel good. It might look good. It might look good on paper, but how it feels is something entirely different. Why? Because you're getting stretched because your capacity is being increased. See, we think that if we just stay where we are, if we stay comfortable, we stay safe, and we don't ever uh, experience pain, if we don't ever experience stretching, uh, that, that, that we're going to live the best life that we can possibly live. We think that's a rich and abundant life. No, that's just a life. I don't even know that you're living at that point. You're essentially surviving. Because all I want to do is have breath in my lungs and a beat in my chest. Or we can understand that under pressure, our capacity is built. Under pressure, our capacity is increased. Under pressure, when there's weight and when there's tension, the muscles start to build. So we have lived our lives slipping away from pressure but I wonder what our lives might look like if we stayed in the middle of the pressure, understanding that as long as we're following Jesus, we're going to be okay. As long as we're following Jesus, our capacity will be increased. Our reach will go farther. Pressure is not the enemy. Standing still, being comfortable, being okay. That's our enemy. That's our enemy. But also we must be aware of the comparison trap. One of the most effective ways to render you useless is to put something in front of you that is so attractive that your attention is shifted from your, your direction and is put on somebody else's direction. Because if I can look at Pastor Harrison and go, you know what, I want to, I want to do exactly what he's doing. I want to wear that, you know, that, that jacket. <laughs> Fun fact, I accidentally bought the exact same sweater as him. I was like, man, this looks so good. And I was like, looking, I was like, man, yeah, I could really see it. And I was like, oh, that's the exact same one that Pastor Harrison has. No wonder it looks so good. <laughs> you can be my hero, baby. Anyways. <laughs> But when I set my eyes, when I set my eyes on his trajectory, when I set my eyes on his path and I shift my path to his path, what I'm unconsciously doing is shaking a fist at Jesus saying, what you have for me is not enough. And now I've been rendered useless because I've been taking off my path. I've been taking off my trajectory. I've been taking off my destiny and I've been put onto his and I'm at best a cheap knockoff. Because I could never be. 
I can never live up to. I can never, I can never do the things. I can't have twins. We have two kids. We called it. He's just getting started. We had them one at a time. So comparison becomes the enemy of our soul because it causes my eyes to be distracted by something else and causes me to move in a different direction. That's why, you know, we go really old school. We look at Ten Commandments. You should have no idol in front of you. I wonder how many times we have made other people's paths our idols. Because we're saying, I'm worshiping that outcome more than I'm worshiping Jesus, the creator of the universe. I follow Jesus one step at a time. I don't follow a career path. I don't follow an outcome. I don't follow a result. I bear fruit because I'm following Jesus and I'm faithful in the small things. You know, what does it say in, in Zechariah? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Most of us do, as a practice, despise the day of small beginnings. But that whisper isn't so much a word as it is a feeling maybe for us. Feeling that we don't measure up. Feeling that we couldn't be, we can't be, we can't do, we can't go. It's a feeling. Now let me ask you this. If there is an enemy who's strategically plotting to take you out, do you suppose that the very thing that he's going against or trying to use against you could in fact be the best thing about you. Is it possible that the whisper that you were experiencing, the twist, the lie, the feeling that says you can't do that, you can't be that, you can't accomplish that, want that for you, he doesn't mean that for you, that gift's not available. Is it possible that he's just taking a look at your greatest strength and trying to convince you that it's a weakness? That he's just playing the other side of the coin? Because let's be honest, we do know for a fact that on, on, for every strength we do have a weakness, that there is a flip side to the best parts of us. So, I, so as a part of my journey, I had to uh, switch over my credentialing, which is just who holds the license of, uh, for when I do weddings. It's, it's actually a fairly insignificant thing. But I had to do all these paper, like I had to write all this paperwork and do these things. And um, somebody wrote, one of my references, good friend apparently, wrote that I was stubborn. They check the box, stubborn. And so I got into this meeting, and they're, they're trying to interview you, and they're like, are you stubborn? I'm like, yes. And they kind of like, oh. I'm like, but you're assuming that's a bad thing. I said, I'm stubborn. I don't quit. I don't stop. I keep moving forward. It doesn't matter. When we started our, listen, you guys are blessed. You had a launch service of 200. I had a launch service of 24. How about them apples? You've never lived what I lived because I was where I was. I learned those things so I could pass something on to you so you didn't have to go where I went. But if I didn't go there, you would have to go there. So I'm like, listen, yeah, I'm stubborn, no question. I don't stop. I'm relentless. I just keep going. I said, you're assuming that that person meant that that was a bad thing. And I know for a fact they didn't. They meant it was a good thing. They said, no, that's an interesting perspective. Now, I understand the flip side of stubbornness is that you're not teachable. That's why you have to be submitted to mentorships. Every pastor needs a pastor. And further, every person needs a pastor. Every person needs someone who can ask you the hard questions. 
So the flip side is, yeah, is there a danger? Yeah, but why would we be afraid of the danger when we could shore up the risk and double down on the best part? So is it possible that that thing which is coming against you, uh, that, that the lie that's being perpetrated against you is actually your area of greatest strength? Maybe now that you are aware of the strategy, you might even start to see yourself in a different way because now a lie comes that says, you're not, you can't, you can't do that. You're like, does that mean I can? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but my feet, but, but, I, but emotionally, I'm not prepared. I'm so glad you brought that up. First John 3.20. God is greater than our feeling. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I just, you know, I just don't feel it today. Well, thank God, God is greater than your feelings. He's greater than your emotion. He's greater than your vibe today. He's still God. <laughs> He's Jesus. It says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater. What was happening in this context of Scripture was people were, were, were struggling with falling back into sin. That they had fallen, they, they got saved, miraculous transformations. And all of a sudden, they kind of get caught in the struggle. And this is Grandpa John, at the end of his life, writing a letter back to the church and saying, listen, stop feeling guilty and stop letting your guilt cause you to approach Jesus. It's a lie of the enemy. The very thing that we were talking about, it was a whisper. It was a whisper that says, because you feel guilty, God won't accept you. No, Jesus died for you. He died for the worst part of you. In Romans 5, it says, when we were utterly helpless, he came at just the right time. (laughs) While we were still his enemies, he came. Right? So he didn't die for a nice you. He didn't die for a put-together you. He didn't die for the Saturday service you. Hashtag, we're going to trademark Saturday service. Right? Not even my idea. Kelsey's like, we need to lock this down. we got to cut Kanye off the pass. He's got Sunday. Kingdom's got Saturday. Under pressure. This is literally how my brain works. I, I'm just, as you get to know me, what you'll learn is I've got a constant soundtrack that plays in my head, and it's cued by different things that are happening. And so I just kept every, when he, Pastor Harrison emailed me about coming, he said, we're doing Under Pressure. I could not stop hearing that song in my head. So can I free you from the pressure that you have put yourself under that stops you approaching the throne of grace? Because in Hebrews it says that boldly we can approach the throne of grace because Jesus laid his life down for us. He already paid the price for us. Our price has already been established. I don't know if you know this, but the most expensive painting that was ever painted or that was ever sold at market was worth about $450 million. And it's terribly ugly, in my opinion. But I don't know anything about art. It was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Imagine Mona Lisa with a beard holding an orb. It's supposed to be Jesus holding the world in his hand, the universe. But it's like, Jesus didn't wear a dress, bro. Because he's in Renaissance clothes, just painting the picture. Super ugly. But the thing that establishes the value around a painting like that is first that there's only one. Right? There's only one. There's even limited copies available. Like, 
because it was found so much later than the rest of his works, the value skyrocketed because there wasn't time for knockoffs. There wasn't time for ripoffs. It was, it's in such limited circulation that there's only so many people that can see. I mean, now Wikipedia really ruined that, but only so many people had seen it, so no one even knew what it looked like. And then they established value based on its originality, its, its, its uniqueness, but also based on who painted it. That's what established the value of that masterpiece. When you subject yourself to comparison and imitation, you are devaluing the masterpiece. Because instead of being who you are and what you are, you're trying to become a cheap knockoff of somebody else. But that's not who you are. I know because you're value has already been assessed for God so loved the world he gave his one and only begotten son your price has already been assessed the price has been paid the most valuable commodity in the universe was leveraged so that you could be free so God is greater than our feelings he's greater than our anxiety he's greater than our guilt he's greater than our comparison He's greater than the whisper that tells me I don't measure up. He's greater than the thing inside of me that says you got to get away from the pressure. No, he's great enough to speak to me in the midst of my pressure and say, stay right where you are, son. Don't you think I led you here? Don't you think you've been called for such a time as this? Don't you think you're letting yourself off the hook before I'm ready to let you off the hook? If I wanted you somewhere else, I would lead you somewhere else. Don't walk where Jesus has not led you. Right? I'm just going to go this way. It seems safer. Listen, when you drive, you trust Google Maps more than you trust your brain. So why is it that you trust your brain more than you trust Jesus? go to Colossians 2. We'll just land this plane right there. I mean, anytime you get that kind of expression from Greg Musselman, you just, you just land the plane immediately. <laughs> and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. You must continue to follow him, meaning there are people who were choosing not to follow him. As you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You want to overflow with thankfulness? Let your roots grow down into him, which means simply this. There is a stability that comes when your roots grow down. That's what makes trees stable in the midst of a storm is that their strength goes down. We're not going down into ourselves. We're going down into the love of Jesus. Now, here's the other thing about roots. They don't only create strength, but they provide nourishment. So you could let your roots grow down into the identity that you've crafted for yourself, but I can tell you there's no nourishment there. That's why you feel tired. That's why you feel weak. That's why you feel empty. And it's why you feel this sense of instability about your life. It's because you are not rooted. When you are rooted, 
there is a nourishment that comes out of it so that you begin to overflow because the love of God nourishes and satisfies our soul and it's the thing that gives us the life and breath to continue to do the things that are uncomfortable. It's why you can keep taking the next step even when you don't know how you're going to make the next step because it's not on your strength because in the midst of your weakness, he is making you strong. And then we build our foundation upon him. The roots speak to the inner man, to the nourishment, strength, satisfaction that comes from a life in Jesus. Building our foundation speaks to the things that we build with our lives. As long as we build our lives on his foundation, then whatever we construct on the outside, whatever your career path is, whatever your calling is, whatever your family looks like, it's built strong and secure. And that's where we begin to overflow with thanksgiving. Because when we sit back and we look at it and we reflect, we reflect on it, you actually begin to chuckle because you're like, there's no way I could have made this happen on my own. It begins to suck the ego right out of it. Because God is greater than my feelings. And I can now overflow thankfulness because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, why don't we stand to our feet today? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. And hey, we want to see you in person. So plan your visit today. We look forward to meeting you. Until next time, take care.